Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here on episode 65 of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. We've got Lisa Cummings, and I am excited to share with you her wisdom. So if you enjoyed the David Cadavi episode earlier about mind management for productivity, here's another superstar I met at Podcast Movement who was a ton of fun, and we enjoyed Chicago's sights and sounds, and I enjoyed her wisdom, and I think you will as well. So as you may know, I'm a bit of a fan of, of tools and assessments and such, like the Myers-Briggs. By the way, if someone needs a workshop, book me. That'd be fun. Thank you. And another one of the greatest assessments I'm aware of is the StrengthsFinder 2.0, just validated with millions of data points by the folks at Gallup. And so it's a great tool. And we've got one of the greatest people explaining some of the, the wisdom that can be gleaned from that tool. It's Lisa Cummings. So you're going to learn, one, how focusing on your strengths can and 6X or sextuple hit your work engagement and triple your quality of life. Two, approaches to discovering strengths hiding right under your nose. And three, a clever trick to trade tasks and boost fun. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep65. A quick bit about Lisa. Lisa Cummings is the founder of Lead Through Strengths, and she brings 20 years of experience and experiments into this practice. She lives to help people find and leverage their strengths at work. Lisa also has experience building strengths-based cultures, both as a corporate executive and also from the academic side. She has an MBA and is a certified strengths performance coach with Gallup, Inc., the biggest catalyst for and analyst of the strengths revolution. She's the host of the Lead Through Strengths podcast, and her top three talent themes are strategic, maximizer, and positivity. Here's Lisa. Lisa, thanks so much for being here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. I'm so thrilled to be here and give some awesome tips. Oh, well, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you too. And with your awesome microphone audio quality, that is always appreciated podcaster to podcaster. That's a, that's a good gear you're working with there. Thank you. Gotta love it. Well, speaking of gear, I have a roommate, Dave, shout out to Dave, who plays the drums. He's always hauling his gear in and out. You also do a little bit of, of drum playing in your keynotes. How does that go across? Oh, it's so much fun. So I do, I do, of course, like some fun jam session kind of stuff like your roommate probably does, keeping the household loud. Mm -hmm. And that's more like a proper drum kit. And then in the events and the training events, I do these things that are more experiential where I actually get the participants drumming, making some music. And so it's a smaller scale deal where they're handing out percussion instruments. I just call them percussive doodads so that they're not scary to people. And then they're really put into this situation that feels a little stressful and different but fun at the same time. And it lets us have a chance to see how their talents come out at work. So they're having a good time with each other, kind of feels like a good team building exercise while at the same time, they're getting something really substantive out of it because we tie it all back to their strengths and how their talents show up and how their team dynamics work and how one person reacts to the other person or to the same situation. So music becomes a really fun way to make a memorable conversation about how they work with each other at work. Oh, that is really fun. And I guess my first thought as a fellow speaker is just how many percussive instruments can you fit into a carry-on suitcase? <laughs> well, if it's a carry-on suitcase, oh. 
I actually have never done it in a carry-on. I always check my bag. Oh, if I'm you're a hero. This. The sacrifice you make I for your know. audience. <laughs> I know. Otherwise, I have the no-check rule. And then if it's local in, let's say, the Texas zone where I would drive within four or six hours or something, I will actually do some major schlepping in my car and have some cases full of stuff where they get a little bit larger, like hand drums. I bring djembes and things like that. But if it's a far distance to travel. A lot of times clients don't want to pay for massive shipping bills. So I do jingles and shakers and hand drums that are more like a frame, like imagine the head of a drum only that they're Mm -hmm. hitting with a mallet. So it doesn't take up that much room because the whole body of the drum isn't coming along with it. So there are tricks like that to get more things with you. Well, that just sounds like fun. I want to go to one So you let me know when they're open, like seminar style to the masses, and I'm intrigued. Okay, it's a deal. I haven't done them open style yet, so that'll be a good reason to keep the goal in mind so I can think of the people who have said, oh, that sounds really crazy. I'd love to do that. Oh, appreciate it. Well, I I am intrigued, and I'm also excited to dig into... You and Strengths, the Strengths Finder. I mean, I've taken the Strengths Finder before, and I'll try not to make it all about me and my strengths and say, Lisa, tell me what this means, but rather be universally helpful in terms of strengths. So, could you maybe orient us a little bit? So, you talk about yourself as a, a sleuth, uh, figuring out strengths, and you use the instrument and some of your own stuff. Kind of, could you orient us a bit to to you and strengths and how you think about them? Yeah, of course. Now you mentioned your strengths. So we have to go back first and get your top five talents because you know, people are going to be dying to know them when they've been listening to your show. Do you know what yours are? Oh, sure. Yes. And I I don't know if the sequence is perfect, but the top one is activator. I've taken it a couple of times and that's been sizable. It's been consistent is the word I want. Each time it's been activator is the top followed by woo, winning others over, and then some combination of strategic, ideation and competition. Ooh. Okay. So that's good to know. All right. Now I'm sure you're real. I feel like you really you sized me up. Interview? Just, yeah, exactly. I'm you know like, everything about me. I know everything about you now. And instead of answering your questions, I'll just keep asking questions about you. No. Yeah. So orienting around me and my strengths as well. So strategic maximizer, positivity, we share woo, and ideation for me are in my top five. And if anybody's listening who hasn't heard of StrengthsFinder, it's kind of like a survey. It's 177 questions. And the idea is to find your natural talents that you could apply to work and life. And they're essentially, I call them how you approach the world. So a lot of people in their careers think about, oh, what can I do at my job to get better? And they're thinking about the skills, the tangible things like that, but they forget to think about how they approach the world. So StrengthsFinder tells you about the how, and it's just your natural patterns of thoughts and feelings and behaviors, the stuff that you're good at without really trying. And it gives you a whole other angle to look at how to be a strong performer at work. And I'm going to dig a a touch into the data if I can. So what's cool about this assessment from what I recall, and I'm sure you know way more now with all your certifications and fancy things, is Mm -hmm. when Gallup developed this, they went through like over 2 million people having taken it and uh, fine-tuning it to find these these clusters and these patterns of strength, right? Can you tell us a little bit of the backstory for why anyone should listen and pay attention and, and say, oh, another personality quiz, that's great. You know, what what's special about this assessment? It's true. So they are serious data hounds. They have 
full-time data scientist. They have the likes of Daniel Kahneman. So if you've ever heard of him as a social scientist, I mean, you're talking the tip of the top guys. And they actually worked on this for a few decades before bringing it to the outer marketplace. It's really only been around to those of us who are not one of their internal clients that they were doing this on for just a little more than 10 years. And it, yeah, so it's significant. Now 15 million people have taken StrengthsFinder, depending on when someone's listening, you know, that number keeps growing and changing all the time. But there's so much data behind it and they've sliced it and diced it based on based on gender, based on, uh, they're starting to do it based on um, generation. And the more you hang around StrengthsFinder, the more you see how they slice and dice the data and give you information on it. They do a lot related to employee engagement so that they bring us stats like the fact that people are six times more engaged on the job when they, as individuals, decide to focus on their strengths. So I think it's cool to bring ideas to shows like this where it's just a a high achiever as your audience member saying, I want to get better on the job. What do I do? And if you focus on your strengths as a filter for the way you work at work, you could see stuff like six times the improvement in how you feel engaged on the job. Ooh, I like that a lot. And so could you share any other kind of eye-popping, you know, stats or results or cases for why strengths matter? They're important. They make a big deal. So six times, that's cool. What else? That's cool. Another one that I love is people who focus on their strengths report three times the quality of life as Mm. those who don't. Is that crazy? So it's not just work. It's actually about you as a whole person. And I think an example would go well here. So people are always like, what does this really look like? How do you take these words that come out on an assessment and turn them into something really useful at work? So to give you an example, I worked really closely with one of my clients, get it done gal, super high achiever. And she works really closely with internal executives, um, both internal executives and client executives. And she was really noticing that she's different from the way they are. She felt like man, I'm, I'm a lot more tactical than they are. They're always coming up with these big grand visions. And then I'm immediately thinking about all the stuff that's going to have to happen to actually get it done. And she has, if I use StrengthsFinder language, she has talents like discipline. And that's one about planning the steps and executing it. She has consistency. So it's very much about processes. She has achiever, which is very much about getting it done. So she's really high in these executing talents, which is great, but she was seeing them as weaknesses. And so in using strengths, the idea is if you use your strengths, it will make you a stronger performer at work because every person has a unique contribution to the team. So instead of what she was doing, where she was thinking, I need to mask this or hide it or because they're going to think I'm too much of a doer and I won't be viewed as someone who, who deserves to be sitting here. And so instead, she finally figured out how to use what she brings to the table as a company advantage. And so that's what she did. She really became a translator for them and using strengths. So they think of these grand visions. She's the one that figures out how to turn them into a reality. And they love her for it because they don't want to play that role. They hate that stuff. Right. But they love that it gets done. So rather than, you know, her fierce side, which was they'll view me like a tactical doer, instead they love how it rounds out the team. Mm. Okay, that is, that's very helpful. And I, I think many people will experience that. It's like, oh, I don't quite seem to, 
I don't know if I belong here or fit here. And it's, it could be that there is sort of a key difference between either your own preferences and personality. I'm thinking Myers-Briggs language here or the strengths that, that you've got working for you or in, in terms of your sort of key uh, beliefs, values, convictions. And it's, it's handy to, to get clear on, on what is the disconnect and how can you focus in on, on the strengths. And that's cool and exciting. I buy it. So now I want to know, You've used these terms and we're talking about the, the strengths finder assessment. Tell us first, where can we go do that and take it? And second, if we're not going to do that, how could we still get a sense for what our strengths are? Yeah, for sure. So the easiest way to go do it is just go on Amazon or wherever you buy books and buy the book called Strengths Finder 2.0. And inside of that book, you'll get a code for an assessment. So I think that's the easiest way to do it. And then you get the book behind it. And the book gives some additional case proof for, you know, why should you care about this? And some stories about why you should care for it. And it also has, it's almost like dictionary of the different talent themes so that you have the long version. And when it starts expanding beyond you, let's say your team does it, or maybe someone you're close to, a family member, a friend, you can read theirs and start to see how it shows up on them. And it gets really fun when you start applying it to other people. Mm, yes, indeed. So that's that sounds handy and, and worth doing and, and doesn't sound too pricey. You know, just buy a book and it's not even yeah. a newer book. So was that maybe exactly. like 18-ish dollars or less? Yep. Usually it seems to change a little bit, but somewhere around 15 bucks is even usually better. where you'll find it. Yep. Bargain. Well, I've done it before with a team of folks putting on a, a leadership conference. And it's like, okay, I want all my directors to to take this. And we had a really a rich conversation about it. So I, I'd love to hear the, that, that's one way is to take it. And are there some other ways? Oh yeah, for sure. Because that was the other part of your question, wasn't it? That, okay, what if they don't take the assessment? What are some other ways? How do you start tapping into these and finding them? And spotting them is easier than you might imagine if you actually watch for them and listen for them. So one way is what do people consistently tell you, oh, you're so good at that. And it's one that people dismiss all the time. They have this great talent. They're great communicators. They can always find the right words or they're really good at crunching numbers or they're really good at coming up with a story out of data or they're really good at relating to other people or they're really good at, you know, noticing someone in the meeting made a face and you can tell, ooh, they're not bought into this. And as soon as we leave the room, it's all going to unravel. But no one else noticed that thing. So those are the kind of things that you know you're good at. Others will tell you you're good at, but you don't think it's anything special because yes. it's in you, you know, it's so easy for you and you discard it. So that's one is notice that stuff. Listen when people tell you that and then ask yourself, all right, what else can I do with that? How can I use that more? And how can I benefit the company more by using it? Because then you become a more valued performer. Oh, that's so good. And I, I'd love to speak to that a bit because I think it just, it is easy for you to just dismiss it because I think it's natural for us to think, boy, if I didn't work hard and long and exert sort of some sort of heroic effort toward accomplishing something, then it's not really worthy of praise or merit. It really is. Oh, that's no big deal. That's just kind of what I do. That's fine. You know, it, it, it seems like a nothing, but it, it is absolutely quite a something. And so I think that's awesome that you you highlighted that is I think it can be tempting to just throw that aside real quick. And, and do you mm -hmm. have any pro tips for how do you kind of hold on and notice and retain that instead of dismissing it so fast you don't find the pattern? 
Well, one practice that I like to do when you notice anything like that, that you want to get more of is making a little mantra out of it or a little phrase out of it. And then Put it on your lock screen of your phone because you look at, I heard on a podcast the other day that you open it 68 times a day. I don't know where the data came from or if that's accurate, but oh my gosh, hearing that number, I thought, really? And so imagine if you take something like, I'll give you the example of take that situation where I mentioned the person who's really empathetic and they can sense what's going on in the room and the meeting. And so um, I've had a person who's really high in empathy like that use the phrase, be here now. And so to take that example, and that's something that he really values is being here now because he's seeing and he's feeling what other people aren't because they're distracted and they're moving on. And so take that phrase, be here now, and then make an image out of it. I use word swag. There are lots of apps that make words look pretty on the screen, of course, so you can pick whichever one you like, and then make it your lock screen. So then Every day for the next month, you see something like your message, be here now, and you'll know, okay, yeah, I need to use that as often as possible. I want to keep investing in that and see what good I can create out of it in my workday. Ooh, that's so cool. Thank you. Now, you had some more. I, I kind of went deep on one, but you had some more. So please don't let me stop you. What are other ways to identify your strengths? Oh, yeah, sure. Another favorite is look at your calendar and your to-do list and make a list of yucks and yays. So if you're a writer, you know, and you like to jot stuff down as you're going through it, just split a piece of paper in half and write yuck and write yay on the other side. Look at the stuff for yuck. You're looking for things that you like another meeting about a meeting or I always procrastinate that one. And look at the stuff that you're not looking forward to. Write that down. Those are often going to be trends that will show you your weakness zone, that they're probably calling on talents that aren't so good for you and they're going to wear you out. And then on the other side, on the yays, it's what am I looking really forward to? And then as you make that list and you think of the things that you wake up for and you live for, then you ask yourself, how do you get more of those in your workday? Sometimes you can swap out tasks with teammates. Sometimes you can volunteer for projects to get it. Sometimes they're just small things at a time where you actually communicate with your manager about, hey, I'd really like to get more of this in my workday. So if you see an opportunity, because they can't read your mind and they don't Mm -hmm. know what projects you'd want more of. So the more you say it and put it out there, the more you get the chance to demonstrate it, the more you demonstrate it, the more people see you at your best. And I've heard a lot of stories about people's roles evolving or even entirely new jobs getting offered to them because they've been leaning into it just three to five minutes a day at a time. So you get that list of yays. And then you ask yourself, how can I just get three or five more minutes a day of these? Mm -hmm. And then do the opposite with your yucks. What can you put on your stop doing list? What could you trade with somebody, something that you hate that someone else's love? Perfect example. I had on my yuck list. I used to have a manager who loved pivot tables. Everything Mm -hmm. was in a pivot table and you know, it's fine. There were good things that came out of the data, but it wasn't my zone of genius, let's say. It's fine. My analytical talents in mm, 17, number 17 out of 34, it's there. I can call on it. But I just never looked forward to it. I got competent at it, but I didn't like it. Well, I had a team member. He loved pivot tables. He loved everything he could do with data. And I love presenting. So we ended up figuring this out about each other and swapped out. I started making his presentations for our exec reviews that we did every quarter 
And I would make the deck and I would present. And I just thought that was fun. I love designing. I love making. I love presenting. He loved getting all the data and finding what was important to them. And so we literally swapped tasks without asking. And we both felt more productive and energized by it. And you're just talking about something that's a 20-minute activity for each person, but over time they compound and really change the way you feel about your workday. Oh, that's so beautiful. You swap tasks without asking because really the powers that be, they just want the complete beautiful deck, which includes the data. So they probably don't care a whole lot as to who and how it it gets done. And so you have that power within yourself to just go there. And that also I'm sure does a lot to to build sort of camaraderie and, and team spirit a bit. Like you have a stronger colleague bond with your collaborator there than you would have had you not gone there. Oh, heck yeah. And I like the idea that you're raising of the colleague bond because it also gets to, if you apply this beyond yourself, one, you're looking at how these are going to show up on you and what you can do with them. And then once you get beyond you and you start looking around, think about a person at work who's annoyed you before in your career. And there's inevitably somebody around the office that you kind of, you don't love working with. If you flip the script on that and you use what you could learn through talents and say the opposite, what could this person bring to the situation? What do they do that annoys me? And what are they, where are they actually coming from on that? Because a lot of times they're bringing an angle to the situation that you don't want to see, or you don't like to see, or you can't see. And so it helps you see these values and virtues in other people. And so one, it opens your mind. And then two, it can even create those conversations like the one we just talked about, where you can actually swap out duties or tasks or elements of a project. Like if somebody is a really big ideation person and they want to do that on the front end of a project instead of you owning the whole thing from the beginning to the end. Maybe you bring them in at the beginning. Maybe if you don't love presenting ideas or you think, hey, the product's baked and everything's done. Um, I wish my part in this would end. But then you look to your partner, your teammate, who's actually great at selling ideas and getting momentum so that it's not an if you build it you know, they will come situation in business. We've got to get out there and sell the idea. So find the person who loves doing that. And a lot of beautiful partnerships get formed once you start looking for this stuff as well. Oh, that is really cool. And and I recall working for a client organization, a major retailer who will remain nameless is probably fine. This client had as a regular part and parcel of how they operated the list of the five strength themes at the bottom of their email signatures, which I thought was really cool. And so that's sort of one simple way that folks are going about kind of communicating and sharing, oh, these are the things I like to do and will work well at doing. And then it can facilitate all sorts of informal swaps that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're making me think of another idea where when you start looking for these in other people, you made me think of a client situation where this woman was really detail oriented and she was seeing where her internal peers were glazing over because she just get way into the weeds on every conversation as far as her peers were concerned. For her, she thought this is really important stuff. They need to know the backstory. They need to know the detail. They're going to make a decision. They need to have all the information. And so it wasn't until taking StrengthsFinder, that she was able to say, all right, I see the faces, I see they're glazing over. So instead of just trying to bulldoze, 
she came up with some phrases. So it's one of the things that we do to strategize. And one of her phrases was, the short answer is X. And Mm. so she got in the habit of making herself say, the short answer is, and then give the short answer. And then she would say, there's a lot of backstory or there's a lot of data or whatever there was a lot of. And she would say, would that be helpful to hear right now? And so instead of just giving it and getting the glazed eyes, then people would either decide I can hear it right now or, oh, can you email it to me? And it changed the dynamic of the relationship. So a really practical way, every person gets a little different tactic or a little little different approach based on the talents that they have. Oh, that is, that's fun. And so you kind of highlighted something, you know, we're focused on strengths and, and lead with strengths is, is your uh, lead through strengths is your, is your brand and, and such there. But you're also suggesting that each of these strengths can have a bit of a dark side when it comes to an over-reliance upon them or <laughs> that th- that's just your natural way of operating and, and flourishing, but it may not be optimally suited to a particular situation that you're in. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I'll share a dark side of mine because then I don't have to share any client dark sides. Okay. <laughs> so here's an example of maybe a shadow of maximizer. So with maximizer talent, it is on the beautiful side. It's I like to make things the best they can be. I like to help people become the best they can be. We're here. So why not, you know, live big, go all the way while you're here. The shadow of it is I'm never finished with anything. I always want to tinker and make stuff better. It can make me feel reluctant to put something out to market because I'm imagining, oh, if we could only do this with it or make that better or tweak this. Oh, I, you know, if I could only. eh." And so sometimes it makes me feel like the quality of the work isn't good enough to ship. And I've had a lot of situations in my career where if you work for a tech company or a fast paced company, that's not going to fly. And I know that. And so I'll have to have these honest conversations with the person I report to or the people I'm working with and saying, personally, I would love to do X, Y, and Z to this project to make it really amazing based on the scope and the resources and the time, the project that we have in front of us. I think we're going to have to make it like this to meet the business objectives. And so it makes me feel better when I can say, I could make it this and I'd love to make it that. I think we're going to have to be okay here. And as long as they know that I wish I could make it that, it makes it easier for me to deal with the shadow side. But it's always at me thinking, no, slow it down, make it better, Mm. tweak that a little bit more, work a little longer. And that can really be either draining to me or slow to people who are waiting on things from me. Oh, that is powerful. And and so could you... Again, I'm trying not to hijack. I have this temptation of what it's like, well, Lisa, tell me everything about me, given my strengths, and maybe I'll just have to hire you after this uh, for that. But maybe if you could indulge me with sort of one more example in terms of, so if you, if you look at my profile with the activator and the woo and the strategic, et cetera, uh, what are some things that come to mind with regard to, oh, you know, here's a here's a potential dark side to watch out for, or here is a mantra or practice that uh, clients like you have found rather helpful just to make it all the more real. Okay. All right. So let's see with activator, woo, strategic ideation and competition. Okay. One example, you and I were just talking about hiring team members. So you have a new team member and you have activator combined with strategic and idea. Well, first of all, these are very fast moving talents. Got to be a fast moving guy. Mm. I would hypothesize that you could 
have a lot of ideas. If you think out loud and you want to get stuff started, likely with Activator, let's get it moving, let's get it started. It could be overwhelming to a team member who thinks that everything you talk about, every big idea you explore means this is a an assignment, go and do this, go and get it done. And so what can happen with a team member in that situation is they're off running, spinning like crazy, feeling totally overwhelmed, trying to deliver on all of these things. You may not even realize that they're off doing it because they're just trying to fulfill the assignment. And you were just um, talking about ideas. You didn't (laughs) necessarily think they were all going to be set into motion right now and, and out to complete. So that's one idea. It can be a dark side as a manager thinking about how fast moving and how influential your talents are. So that's one. How, I'll give you one more and then All I right. want to hear your reactions. <laughs> one more could be with competition. On its shadow side, imagine somebody who's really highly competitive, who always wants to win, who then can do the fun. Imagine the touchdown dance at the end where you're like, end zone, in your face, I win, you know, this kind of fun that you might have with your competition. But on the receiving end for someone who isn't competitive, they could think, oh my gosh, he's trying to beat me. He's trying to squash me. And so the really beautiful side of competition when it's mature is more like, I love winning and I want to help everybody win. And it's very elevating. So you might see if you look back, I'd be curious to know in your childhood or when you were younger, did your competition look more like trash talk or more like I want to slam, you know, I want to win in your face, buddy, versus being more mature in business thinking we're going to win as a company and here's what we can all do to elevate. Mm, Well, I do remember my dad once said to me, he's like, Pete, why well, you're always talking about winning. <laughs> and, and, and so it's, it's so funny. It really does kind of get there deep. And, and I didn't do a ton with sports and, and whatnot. And it's funny kind of marrying up with other assessments. I dig the Myers-Briggs and my preferences are ENFJ, extroversion, intuition, feeling, judging. And they often say folks like this, you know, resemble like a coach or, you know, like an Oprah figure associated uh-huh. with, you know, really helping you, you know, learn and grow and, and find your best self. So, so it, it was sort of funny, I guess, in the way it was both, you know, like, if we were on the same team, then yeah, you know, it, it's all, it's all rally and inspire and, and go. And if there's someone that the other side, it's like, you know, we, I want to crush them. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, and not like that they're like demoralized. Not yeah. they're demoralized, but it's like, I talked about a leadership conference. It's like, oh yeah, our leadership seminar had a higher net promoter score in terms of attendee satisfaction than your leadership seminar. And so I wouldn't like <laughs> say that, but you know, for my team, I would totally show them the slide and say, hey, get look at how we're awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's definitely very competitive. How, what did you think on the other one? Do you feel like you are often faster moving than the people around you and you have to wait for people to catch up with you? Well, you know, it, it kind of I do, and, I, and I'll tell you this. I was chatting with my my fiance uh, recently, and it was it's interesting how I think one dark side that is coming up with these strengths. It's wild. We just talked about this. Is that I do kind of want to get it started fast and then get it completed fast, and so often she is absolutely not in that kind of space for an activity. So like we washed a car <laughs> recently and my thing, all right, this car needs washed. We're going to get it done. Let's get going. Let's get it washed. Come on, move, move, move. And mm-hmm. so that was not 
what she had imagined at all from a car washing a- adventure. She wanted it to you know, just be kind of, you know, a fun, playful, ha, 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 you know. We, we've got water. We've got soap. We're, we're doing this sort of a different thing for uh, a unique mission. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that does show up. Yeah. Now, how about Wu? We didn't talk about that one either. So I'd say on the beautiful side of Wu, it's typically somebody who really likes social variety. They're out there. They love meeting new people. I can say I've seen this on you. This is kind of the scenario under which we met in person in Chicago. New people, new friends, how fun. And the dark side of Wu can be it can be coming on strong for those who are a little more closed off to divulging personal information to a new person. It could, at its worst, even be viewed as disingenuous to somebody who's like, why would these people be talking to me? They don't know me. They don't know anything about me. So those are a couple of examples of things where Wu can have a shadow side where you'd have to be really conscious of how people are receiving you because they may love it or they may think, hmm, why is he out there trying to make a hundred friends today? No, yeah. Yeah. And I've had people I've had people say once I had a spiritual director and we were having a chat and he said, and I was kind of wondering, is this guy for real? <laughs> is what he was, ah. it was like, so we were just be having a really honest conversation. It's like that shows up. It's like, no, I really am that interested in you and your life and, and your stuff, even though you're not accustomed to that. And that might seem wrong. So there, there's an announcement to the world. I really do care that much about what you have to say. <laughs> there you go. And I can back it up. That yeah. People who are really high in Wu, they love the social variety. And there is, there are only friends I haven't met yet. There, There's no end to it. Oh boy. Well, this is, this is fun. So, well, now I want to hear, you know, enough about me. So thank you. Let's hear a smidge when it talks about, we talked about the, the shadow or, or dark side of some of the strengths and, and how that has implications. And it seemed like the prescription you were offering was, was largely like, well, you know, figure out a mantra or just sort of a quick adaptation in terms of a, Hey, I would love to make this look super awesome, but you know, given these constraints, this is probably what we're going to have to do for now. So, so that's a means by which you are able to kind of cope and adapt with the the dark side of that strength. I'd like to know, how should we generally be thinking about uh, building strengths versus, quote, fixing weaknesses? And how's our efforts best spent and why? Right. So I do believe that you should Consider your weaknesses, work around them, address them, don't ignore them. So that is a nice thing to just put out front because some people think, yeah, 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 this all sounds good. But that's totally impractical to think that I'll just ignore those and let those go by the wayside. Now, with that said, if you think about almost every workplace that I encounter, they have development plans and you do a development plan every year. And what does it have on it? It has all the gaps you're going to fill. It has all the weaknesses you're going to fix. And very rarely does it focus on leaning into your strengths and investing in the places where you're going to get that really kind of skyrocket effect of the approach. So one is I'm not too worried about telling people work around your weaknesses, come up with strategies to mitigate and push those down in your life compared with the way you've been focusing, because I really don't meet people who are too focused on their strengths. It's just, it's like the negativity bias that's in Mm. us is very strong. So when you do spot the weaknesses or 
what happens more often is exactly what you were just describing, those shadow sides of the strengths, which is pretty cool because that's a lot easier to work on. Right. When it's maturing something that's already good and, and a drive and a yearning in you already, great. It's easier to mature that than to totally change who you are. So that's one element. Another is some people will think that they have weaknesses and really they're just gaps. So someone goes, oh, I want to get promoted and I want to be in this job. And when you really look at what's in the way of them getting viewed as capable to the, for the next level, it's often experience gaps. Like, oh, I need to see you in this complex environment, or I need to see you demonstrate how your soft skills show up when you're trying to lead something and, and actually get other people to follow along, or I need to see you in an international environment. Well, all that stuff, that's just an experience gap. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to go fill one of those, fill them in places that allow you to use your strengths because you're already going to be stretched because of the experience you're getting and because of the gap you're filling, but do it in a way that you know you can lean into the things that are going to come naturally to you. Just to sum it up, it's very much like if you think about throwing a ball and if you're in a space where you can do it, just imagine you have a baseball in your dominant hand and then just step forward and throw it at the wall in front of you. And that feels pretty good. And then if you do the opposite, pick up your non-dominant hand, imagine you have a baseball in that hand, and then throw that one to the wall in front of you. Feels a little bit weird. You can do it. You can become competent in your weaknesses. And the more you practice, the more it'll look great to your team members and even feel better to you. But it's never quite intuitive like it is when you're working in your dominant hand. So it's the wrong-handed moments versus the strong-handed moments. And you have to know enough about you to know where have you just been practicing your weaknesses enough that they feel all right to you and go, oh, yeah, that actually is a little drain on me. I just was not noticing it any longer. And instead, focus on getting the strong handed moments, because that's where you really get the big benefits fast by making small investments. Ooh, I like it. Thank you. So I want to now touch a, a quick question on when it comes to having your strengths be sort of noticed, appreciated in the workplace. That seems to be a theme that's coming up with the guests with regard to when is it time to move on? Is this a toxic environment? One of the things is you're not appreciated for what you're contributing, what you're bringing to the table. So do you have any pro tips for you've got a strength, you're starting to use it, and there are some cool little glimmers and, and positive results that are, that are happening from that strength usage. But folks aren't quite realizing that you're special, you're cool, you've got it going on, you're, you're making meaningful contributions. Are there any sort of prudent ways to do some career management along those lines? Yeah, sure. So one is reframing. So it's coming up with, right, if the culture that you're in is not your jam, it's not fitting your vibe, and you don't think it's going to change. When you look up, the most obvious thing you can do is change your behavior and your reaction to the situation because it's not likely that moving one giant corporate culture is going to happen quickly for you. So one is kind of on the order of being the change you want to see in the world. I call this practice, notice what works to get more of what works. And so it's literally spotting it in other people. Ooh, I love when you do that. That made that meeting so much better. Oh, it looks so easy for you to do this thing in the meeting that you do. I'd love to learn about that from you. And go around spotting it in other people and tell them specifically, not just great job, because that just sounds like empty platitude stuff. But 
literally walking around and spotting specific stuff. I love how you worded this thing. Oh my gosh, I saw how you talked that customer off the ledge. You're so good with client-facing work. Notice other people and they will begin to do more of what works for them. And a little bit at a time, you can start to influence the team around you just by creating your own culture of noticing what works. So that's one thing you can do. Um, Back to the reframing, a second is connecting back with your purpose and what matters for you. Why did you show up in the first place in that job? What's the thing that really got you? I had one recently in a healthcare environment where people were in a, a pretty detached operations role away from what the work was they were doing for patients. In talking about reframing, it's taking the same activity that you would do day to day, following a process that just seems like bits and bytes or words on paper, but instead thinking, if I do this well, it's going to affect that patient's life. And really reconnecting with why you're there and the, the things that motivate you to show up every day. So I know it seems a little bit weird that thinking about it from the outside like that could have a big effect, but if you're feeling drained throughout the day, just simple practices like that, like why am I doing this? Why am I here? What attracted me here in the first place? And what good can I find in it to use that to get me going? Sometimes it's a big enough reframe to actually make you want to stay. Sometimes it's just the wrong fit in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do just have to leave, but a lot of times you can change a lot by changing your mindset. Mm, thank you. Okay, well, boy, we've covered so much good stuff. Anything else you want to make sure you put out there before we shift gears and talk about the fast faves? I think really that that line when I said, just focus on using your strengths more at work because that will strengthen your performance. You know, use your strengths at work. It will make you a stronger performer. If you can internalize that and look for ways every day you really can change the way any job feels today, whether it's already feeling pretty decent or it's feeling kind of cruddy and you really need to do some major reframing. Mm, thank you. All right, well, then let's let's hear. Tell us, do you have a favorite quote you'd like to share? Yeah, so we started with music. So why don't I call back to some music? A line from a Ray Wiley Hubbard song called Mother Blues. And at the very end of the song, the last line is, The days you keep your gratitude higher than your expectations, those are really good days. And of course, keep your expectations high, right? So his line is about keeping the gratitude higher than the expectations, even when your expectations are high, looking for what works so you can get more of that. Oh, that's very good. Thank you. I will chew on that. How about a a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? Yeah, we talked about the six times engagement by focusing on strengths and the three times the quality of life. Those are huge. My other favorite is that Gallup's research shows 87% of the workforce worldwide, they are not fully engaged on the job. Mm -hmm. Ooh, isn't that sad to think about that number? Right. Only 13% feeling fully engaged worldwide. So that then kind of lead you to that question. What are you going to do to be one of those 13%? And what are you going to do to make that number higher? Oh, yes. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? My all-time favorite book is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Oh, yes. That's good. Yeah, pretty powerful. And how about a favorite uh, tool, something that you find helpful to boost your effectiveness? All right. So I know you talk about Evernote a lot, so (laughs) I won't use that as my tool 
because it is for me all about getting stuff out of my head so that I don't have to remember it because that is a bad idea. And so what tool along those lines, my favorite app, it's called Our Groceries. Yep, I'm dropping in a grocery app. Okay. So, okay. So what you do is it literally syncs up all of the devices amongst your family, your significant other or whomever. So when you run out of milk, then you write milk right in that moment. It's on the list and it syncs all across all of the phones. You use it in the store. And so we have a Home Depot list and the grocery store list and all kinds of things, lists in here. And you never have to remember to buy anything and it's always together in it. So it, it's like crowdsourcing the list that always stays synced amongst your family. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. I didn't know that existed. And I, I now want that. Thanks. <laughs> and how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is my confessional right here that I have needed to get a handle on my overbooked calendar for a while. And I've finally figured out that my problem is that I underestimate how long it takes things to get done on mm. my to-do list. Yeah, so really bad at that. And so I started blocking time on my calendar for to-dos and tasks, which is the opposite of what most productivity and time management experts recommend. And this has totally changed my life. So instead of me thinking, yeah, I can do that this month, plus the 100 other things I plan to do, it really floored me when I laid it out like that because I started seeing when I put my own personal man hours out on a calendar, I needed months, sometimes a year to do something that I thought would take a month or a week to take something I thought would take a day. And it has totally changed my perspective on time and has allowed me to stop working until 1 a.m. Oh, you know, that is fantastic. And and I'll tell you, you know what, you are, you've got experts like Greg McEwen, episode 38, on essentialism, who would say that's critical to schedule that buffer time just because things happen and or come up and, and you need it and it keeps you moving. So I, I'm right on board. I, I don't think you're a, a renegade. You're you're being smart. And how about a favorite sort of a, a resonant nugget or tidbit, something you share that tends to get uh, retweeted or, or highlighted quite a bit? So probably the number one is notice what works to get more of what works. Perfect. Thanks. And what would you say is the best way for folks to learn more about you and, and check out your stuff? Oh, yeah. So go to leadthroughstrengths.com as the website. You could email me at lisa at leadthroughstrengths. I'm on Twitter at Lisa Cummings. I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn if you'd like. You just have to tell me what your yuck and your yay was that you identified. And then I'm all in connecting with everybody. Well, that sounds like a small price to pay. Thank you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh, and there's the podcast, Lead Through Strengths podcast as well. Oh, yeah. And your audio quality is great and your content is great. So check that one out. It's so solid. And do you have a final a challenge or parting call to action you'd leave folks with seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? Yeah, I think the tip, I want to call back to that tip on the lock screen because it is so practical. People are going to pick something. They're going to tell you you're good at something. You're good with words or whatever that thing is, good with analytics. Take that item, put it on your lock screen on your phone, make a phrase out of it and look at it every day so that you'll decide to invest in it more. And I guess the conceptual call to action that goes to that is claim your talents and share them with the world. Because if you hoard them and you dismiss that comment when people think that you're great at something, then you're really doing a disservice to all the people around you who could have benefited from that talent you have. Mm, Thank you.
Well, Lisa, this has been so fun. I'm glad we got to meet at Podcast Movement and that we're, we're staying in touch and you're doing cool things and, and I'm being enriched by it. I'm sure so are your, your many clients and listeners. So, so thanks for what you're doing and, and good luck. And it's been a treat. Thanks for having me. It was definitely a treat. Okay, well, I hope you dug that chat with Lisa and you are pondering your strengths and compliments you've received, identifying some of those themes that might be hiding right under your nose. So once again, to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep65. And do please punch the subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss folks like our next guest, Patrick Galvin, who's talking about galvanizing relationships and cool networking stuff that you're going to want to know. So hope to catch you then. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 